We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Judge has tied Roger Maris, hit a 61st home run. We're recording a bit of an emergency segment because we did most of the episode before the Wednesday game. And in typical Bronx Pinstripe Show fashion, something big happens the moment we finish recording. Uh, we kind of knew that was going to happen, but we cannot record Thursday morning. So we had to do something and record before the Wednesday game. We kind of figured Judge you know, judge will hit a 61st, maybe even a 62nd, because we already, we already finished recording. Scott, what's up? He finally did it. He finally did it. And yes, we have... Uh... We are the ones to thank. As soon as we started recording that thing before the game, you knew damn well he was hitting 61 tonight. But um, yeah, he did it. And not only did he hit 61, but he did it to give the Yankees the lead. Another just, uh, you know, perfect representation of what that guy's been uh, all year long. So happy that it's done. Happy it was a missile. And, uh, and, and yeah, just happy that it's over and he can go back to the Bronx and hopefully be a little looser. It was so they showed yes showed the booth cam of mm-hmm. of the call and Michael K is doing his thing and David Cohn's just sitting there <laughs> just like looking looking at him rounding the bases like no real emotion on his face or anything like that. Uh, it got me thinking like, is that Cohn for every play? Like he's just sitting there completely stone faced no matter what's happening on the field. Like that's got to be a a trip for the guy calling the game with him. Yeah, I think he was just in awe, but um, but yeah, he's concentrating. He's concentrating very hard, and I think he's just in awe of what of what it was, and it finally, it finally went down. So, I I, uh, I thought the call was good. I saw some people analyzing the call, Michael Kay's call, but apparently it was a nod to Rizzuto's call for Maris um, when he did it. Is is what I think I saw on Twitter. See, here's the problem when you've got so much time to prepare for a call that you know is going to happen is that like you you try and get real cute with it and like make connections to the past and everything um i mean i get it like we've known judge is going to hit 61 and 62 hopefully 62 uh for for a while now but you're never going to get the authenticity of the in the moment just emotional call which are usually my favorites yeah, you're setting up for it almost. So that's why I think the, you know, uh, I just assume it was intentional. But the nod back to the the Yankee call for this, I think, was is is cool because you're right. It's you're waiting for this moment. It's not like you're surprised, like it's uh, in the middle of a playoff moment, and you know you're riding the emotional 
you know, mental wave of a game. Like this was set up, you knew it was going to happen. So it, it almost has to be staged. Yeah. And they were, uh, Kay mentioned early in the broadcast, like Boone asked judge if he wants to play today. And he said, yes. And it's the hangover game. They celebrated last night after clinching the division. Today's game means nothing. It's, it's all about when judge is going to hit those home runs. So the only people playing are the backups and the guys going for the milestones. I mean, shit, we've got Anthony Rizzo managing the team. He's the acting manager in this game. Uh, so it's, I mean, obviously judge wanted to get in there. Uh, the ninth inning just ended, so he's not going to scrape across one more at bat. But, um, like you said, it's, it's good that he got this out of the way, at least tying Maris. So now the, the next home run at home, obviously we'll, we'll put him one ahead because it was going to be a lot of pressure. We talk about this later in the episode, but a lot of pressure to try and hit those two homers in those three games. Yeah, I mean, of course, you're damn right I'm playing. If I'm judged, I'm I'm trying to get as many at-bats as humanly possible yeah. at this point. And um, yeah, that that's, you know, if he, he the ninth inning just ended, so he's not going to get another at-bat. So him going back to the Yankee Stadium to break the record, I feel like is so much less pressure. Um, and, and it's almost like the crowd yeah. now, like there won't be any silence in this one, you know, cause now he's getting 62 uh, in the, in the future, in, in the episode today, we were talking about, uh, how the crowd got silent for him, but you go back to Yankee stadium, you're trying to break it now. Now everybody's gonna be fired up. Like it's much looser. It's, it's all gravy at this point. Um, and it's, I think that's just huge for him. And once he hits 62, probably that's when he'll sit down. <laughs> that, that's when he'll get the rest. And. Uh, say he hits the 62nd on Friday, he'll definitely be sitting Saturday, probably get like two more DH days uh, throughout the rest of the season or a couple of pinch hit opportunities just to keep him fresh uh, before the long layoff. So what'd you think of uh, our boy Cole's start tonight? Oh, Jesus Christ. I thought we were just talking about Aaron Judge. Do we have to do we have to do this? It, so, okay, yeah, the, like what, what else do you want to talk about? Aaron Judge? He hit a, he hit a lot of home runs this year. <laughs> we like, I, know. <laughs> I know. I just don't want to talk about. It. So, OK. It wasn't a three-run home run, which I thought it was going to be. So that that's nope. that's where it was. But my God, did that man melt down. My God. He throws five perfect innings. This is like exactly what we talk about in the future here. And and then the the one and the balk, the hit, and then the the balk, which was just like I'm, the balk is I'm, what did it for me because he it's like it's like he didn't have control over his body in that moment. He starts his windup and then just stops. He's like, Oh, right. That's a balk. And just like, he's like shaking his head. Like, what did I just do there? It's like, how does that happen? How does that happen? I don't understand. Like just a complete brain fart. Like what happened there? And the only thing I can think of is, I mean, Cone even mentioned this. He's definitely second guessing his pitch selection right now. So he's goes, starts his motion and he's not, 100% confident in the pitch selection or the location or whatever it is. So his mind is elsewhere. So he just shuts it's down. So his body just shuts he down. He just shuts down. Ball. Yeah, he just, he just, just goes physically shut, like, <laughs> and just falls. And then it's like it's so easy to understand how he's given up so many home runs because, I mean, not every time does he just stop his motion and have a balk. But if you're if you're just if your mind is elsewhere if you're not completely confident in the pitch selection it's it's like in my mind very easy for a fastball that's supposed to be on one side of the plate just leaks into the middle of the plate and, and leaves the park if your head is so far down that road of not being confident and not not you know having any uh 
decisiveness in what you're throwing that your body shuts down in mid rotation, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Like that's, that's the, the guy is so in his own head. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how you get out of that because it's so he wears it too. It's not like it's, it's just in the performance. Like you see it on his face. He's frustrated. And then when that frustration happens, I tweeted tonight, pressure is a privilege. You shit the bed and that's it. It happened as soon as the home run was hit. He gives up the home run and he's like, here we go again. Yeah. Instead yeah. of just locking it down. Like, no, you threw five perfect innings. You you were unhittable. They couldn't touch you. Right. The Blue Jays came out looking like they were hungover. Not the Yankees. The Yankees came out looking great. And Cole was looking the best out of all of them. And it just it just completely flipped in the sixth inning. And it's it's you know, I I, I have this Every time Cole pitches, my dad texts me. He's like, he's a five-inning pitcher. I don't understand why the Yankees can't see this. Just pull him after five innings, and, and he'll be fine. Well, it's like well, – That's kind of a point. Really? That's, I, mean, I mean, it's true. It's, a, it's, it's true. true. It's true. It's yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a joke, but but it's not wrong. <laughs> it's not wrong. Yeah, if he was if he just was pulled after the fifth inning, his ERA would probably be like 2.8. Okay? So, yep. Anal- that would analytics would love that, that one. Analytics would love that one. But that's not what we're going here for here, Dad, with Garrett Cole. We're not going for five-inning starts. We're going for six-plus-inning starts. But he, he, like you said, he's unable to finish. He was not able to finish today. Garrett Cole has a 3-2-9 ERA in inning 7-9. through nine. So there you go. There's his stat. 3-2-9 ERA, which is exactly pretty much his, his ERA overall, right? 3-0-1 in innings 4-6 and 3-9-6 is coming into today in innings 1-3. Yeah. through three. So maybe they should just maybe they should just make him a reliever. <laughs> just just make him a reliever. Just bring him in in the fourth inning. So, so it's what's not even the fifth inning? inning. It's not even yeah. It's crazy. Uh, four through six. Four through six. Okay, so just like get the scoreboard operator. It's just really bad in the in the first inning and in the fifth inning. Well, first inning, top of the lineup. Well, fifth today, inning. today, really today, good in the second inning. Today it was and the really sixth like inning. unhittable in the fourth inning. Really unhittable in the fourth. Like oh six two ERA doesn't even make any sense. I mean, it, it, none of it makes sense. His number, like his, the the blow up innings, are all over the place. Like he's he's had the blow up inning in the first inning against Seattle. He he's got hit. Uh, I think he gave up five runs to Toronto in the fourth inning or fifth inning earlier this season. So I mean, it's it's all over the place. I, I mean, obviously, I know he. I'm, I'm talking about my dad's text, joking. I don't think they should pull him <laughs> after five innings. He should be able to get into the sixth and seventh inning. And it just seems consistently, like you know, consistently without happens. the seventh inning should be a consistent landing place for that man. It really should. And especially in the first game of the division series is you're not looking for five innings. You're, you're, you're looking for him to finish at least six, if not seven. No, um, but, but it also goes back to the, like, we already talked, this is messing with my head right now because we just talked about something that is very relevant. But um, you'll hear it in a minute. But the the Tyone and uh, Severino debate on on you know what you're getting for that that next starter in the playoffs. Uh, if you do go Tyone, then then now you have another guy that can be stretched after after Cole goes five. Yeah. All right. Anything else you wanna you wanna talk about uh, from this game, Judge? What what got anything else on Judge? Sixty first home run, big home run. I'm just excited. <laughs> Huge home run. I'm just excited for him. I'm excited Huge. that it's over and uh and and the the guys can move forward. What what's what was very cool is watching everybody's reaction. 
261 because you you could just tell they were all along for the ride with him and and just really pulling for it so it was that was fun to watch and um yeah i'm excited to see what he does at yankee stadium now actually because i think he's going to be a lot more loose did you hear i think meredith was talking about how she asked stanton about hitting 60 home runs did, did you hear that part of the broadcast yeah he said uh, i hit 59 <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's hard. I, I hit 59. I couldn't get to 60. I don't know exactly when he hit his 59th home run that season. If Because I do remember that being a topic when he was in 2017. He um, had seven games. He had seven games to go. 59. Yeah, he had a lot of time. And that's why they asked him, like, how do you deal with the pressure? And he kind of looked at the medium and was like, I, I didn't deal with it. I didn't get it. <laughs> like, yeah, it, uh, it wasn't a privilege. So, yeah, I remember it being talked about um 60 home runs because that you know still is is a special thing all right enjoy the rest of this episode guys we're here today to talk about the al east division winners new york yankees which for a two-month period we were doubting heavily but they won the division you know, for the first two months, it felt like it was in the bag with no issue. And then the last two months, it felt like it was such a distant, a distant uh, actual milestone that, that may not ever get there because of the wheels falling off. But again, man, I go back to Mr. Jorge Posada, just telling, telling the future, just talking about the future and what, what is going to happen. And um, yeah, it's, you know, they've been putting it together. They stretched their lead in the AL East again uh, as well. So it, it looks – the eye test looks nice right. from from where it was. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're getting it back to like – they didn't scratch it across three and a half, four and a half. No, they're, they're getting it back up. They're close to the 10 again. So um, good for the guys. They, they they did it in Toronto, which was, uh, which was, which was nice, which was nice, especially the, because of the, uh, the walk-off the night before and all the antics that went around that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that they did it, that – they did not blow this. I, I'm glad that we don't have to talk about this being a massive collapse because it was getting hairy. So they went 13 and 13 in July, but mo- they uh, since the All-Star break, they obviously were terrible. So from if you do the All-Star break through the end of August, in August, they were 10 and 18. They, they were well below 500 in that stretch of time. I, I, I meant to look this up, what date they would have clinched had they just gone 500 in that time instead of playing like 400 baseball in reality we're probably talking about like five six days ago that it it would have been the difference which and the grand scheme of things is is not a, a huge deal right like does winning the division not in the last week of the season like they have a week and a half to go they're not going to have to be fighting and pitching guys in that crazy doubleheader next week or anything you know stupid to try and clinch the division does all of that sort of erase the the July and August slump in your mind? I mean, yeah, they won the East. They won the East. They're they're ending what unseemingly, you know, I know we're not all the way there yet, but unseemingly a a good note. So as long as they continue that, then this is this is what they were. They'll if they if you tell ask them, they were being a little bit more cautious. They had a little bit more rope because of what that lead was. So. If if we at the end here they make a deep run and we're looking at how they set this up and they got to this point then yeah it doesn't matter they did what they had to do to to win the division if you know they make you could a make deep run you could make an argument about the first or second playoff spot if you really want to but um, that's what you the, said that, if they make a deep run if they get bounced in the first round of the playoffs then like well it doesn't matter that well you then won the we're looking back again it, yeah. 
it's just it's a history us looking back saying that oh okay they they were just like hot for a week or this the, the last two months as long as the last two months is not the Yankees team that we have currently and and we're, as we're moving that's into the, playoffs, the question well, that's right. what we're going to learn in the playoffs right because sure. they played unbelievable baseball through the month of June and then in the month of September so far they're sixteen and seven and then in the in the middle month and a half there to two months they were they were dog shit so ultimately the real 2022 Yankees are going to be decided in the playoffs. I mean, at the end of the day, that's when the Yankees get determined every single year. So we, we have had, when, when we're talking about a year, when we're talking about a team at the end of the year, and we're talking about a specific year uh, that the Yankees are playing, we will always talk about what they did in the postseason. And if they didn't make the postseason, which hasn't happened in a very, very long time, of course, the only thing that we're talking about is that, hey, this team couldn't get it done. This team didn't get over the hump. This team you know, failed at this point, whether it's in the DS, the CS or the World Series, that's that that will be the determining factor of what this team is. And that's and how history looks upon it. That's what we us fans, most fans, you and I will determine the season on. But say they didn't have that July and August slump and they ended up winning like 110 games this year, but then fizzled out in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think there's even more re- so, to be honest, even well, more but so, I think then you're but like, I think, oh, this really, truly was a failure. But we know that Cashman in the front office department believes that the playoffs are a little bit of a crapshoot and you can't judge a baseball team on a five or a seven game series. And they would point to the fact that they won 100 plus games and say, no, no, that's the real team, not losing in the playoffs is the real team. But now if you lose in the playoffs and you had that long stretch in the season where they were completely lost, then it's the question is up for debate. I was asked a question um, uh, recently is does winning the world series help or hurt the chances of Aaron judge being back next season? And I said, I don't think it impacts it. I think the only thing that could impact judge being back is if the Yankees completely bomb out in the playoffs, first round exit, they look terrible. And I think that increases the chances. He is not back. And the reason I said that is because if that does happen, Steinbrenner, Whoever's at the top making decisions could have a real argument to say you you fizzled out in the playoffs and you had a you had a team that we thought was World Series caliber through a half of the season and then in the second half of the season was bad. Okay, so that that is that is something you could point to. So that's that's how I feel about about this. That's where I, I'm coming from. Ultimate saying ultimately the Yankees are going to be deter- the 2022 Yankees are going to be determined on the playoffs now. Again, had they didn't, if they didn't have that long stretch in the middle of the season of crappiness, maybe you couldn't sit there and make that argument. So, I mean, basically, what you're saying is, if the uh, if that were to happen, then uh, Judge not coming back would be a lot more about what the Yankees do or do not do. It would be more yeah. on them because they're looking at it with like, hey, this team fizzled out. Not going to make the extend ourselves for Judge because he, he whether he's back or not back next year. Not but they believe make- it's a crapshoot. So then, don't you want to put yourself in a, in a best position? I don't think it. Uh, so, but maybe, answer, but then, but then it would be opinion. a crapshoot because they were playing bad for half the season. That's the thing. I mean, uh, okay. Shohei Otani and Mike Trout are on a, a team that that is that like team 10, is 12 games under five hundred. I'm sucks. just saying, like again, you could you could make the argument that one person doesn't necessarily make or break a particular team, but. Um, the way I see it is that it has no bearing on what Aaron Judge does. I think if the Yankees pay him and he they give him the biggest contract with the most years, as is 
as what he's going for and, and the open market, they, they beat the open market. I think that he stays as a New York Yankee. I think ultimately he does want to stay a New York Yankee. And I don't think their exit or deep run in the playoffs actually has much to do with it. What he's determined and what he's kind of shown to this point is that he's going to get the contract that he believes he deserves no matter what. And that's why I don't think the team has any determination uh, in how they do. But what you're saying is the other side. You're saying that the Yankees may not it's offer. The, of course, something. it's the Yankees' decision. I'm not saying well, judge, but again, judge like, winning or losing, he's going to sign where he gets the most money no matter what. Yeah. So right. ultimately, the Yankees winning could impact whether or not they're willing to give Judge the most money. That's maybe. Point. I don't know. I don't know if I believe that though. What you're saying, you're, you're well. Hypothesis. Logan put Logan put in the notes like, oh, well, Freddie Freeman and the Braves is an example of last year. The Braves won. Well, you got to talk series. to the agent. You know, you got to make sure you're aware of the deal. Sure. That, that's part of it. But maybe there was more willingness to let Freddie Freeman walk uh, from the Braves' perspective because they accomplished with Freddie Freeman what they set out to do. And, they also and, had and Matt Olson waiting in the wings, like sure. with an opportunity to refill that position with not really a ton, you know, minus the the local, uh, you know, guy. Well, that's why the Yankees field. traded for Juan Soto. Oh wait, no, they didn't trade for Juan Soto. I'm sorry. Yeah. So got, if you show them. me a, if else. you show me like a clean uh, replacement for the best player in baseball, then then okay, then we can have that conversation. But that's not the way this is. Not to mention, I gotta, and you know, this is just me being a, a biased Yankees fan, and that's fine, but it's different. <laughs> to New York Yankees, signing a guy like this, especially knocking on wood, 61 happens and all those things happen. I, God, I hope it happens soon for this guy. But it, there, there's just a, a different feeling of Aaron Judge leaving the New York Yankees than someone else leaving another team. It, it's he's it's an iconic bubble. franchise with a guy that's that's, you know, very much the next Yankee guy. He's the guy. He's he's absolutely the next captain. There's no doubt about it. He signs. He's probably the captain either the next year or the year after. Wouldn't I wouldn't put it past uh, another year. The uh, the only equivalent of this happening in our lifetime is With pools. Oh no, I was saying. Oh, oh you're Yankees saying Bobby Cano is Cano leaving, and not that Cano had the um, the popularity or the off field impact and implications that judge has but on the field Rob, robinson cano was the best yankees player when he yeah. when he left in free agency yes um and the yankees moved on from him uh i i would say that's the closest example of what we have with judge right now had if he were to move on but it's not even on the same level it's not it's not close being it's not it's close not to close to being the same it also because I mean, if you believe this, I do believe this. I believe that there was smoke with Robbie Cano and that the Yankees, um, you know, wouldn't extend themselves to a certain point. Uh, and then, you know, obviously we all know what happened to him. Fall from grace, went to the, uh, went to uh, Andrew's favorite state in the country and, um, and then got popped. I believe there was smoke. I believe there was smoke with him and, uh, and he just chose the biggest offer. It, but it, it's very different. You're right. It is very different in the, in the type of players, the, their profile, all of the above. Judge Judge is still stuck on sixty, um, and everyone's waiting obviously for him to get sixty one. I'm sitting here saying like, yes, yeah, sixty one is big, but like, isn't it going to be bigger when he hits sixty two? So we're st- it's like he's still two away from from what everyone's ultimately waiting for. Like, if you ha- if you were to catch one home run ball, wouldn't you rather catch sixty two than sixty one? Yeah. So 
you got to hit 61 though. You got to tie the the record first, and that, well, that no, that's where the pressure to have is. It first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the pressure. Look, I, I was I was really hoping we were going to be able to talk about this in the pod before they were talking about it on the broadcast. Um, and I, I was at my obviously my congrats to my brother by the way. He's a I did man. congratulate him on the last episode. I know you didn't nice. listen, but I con- congratulate. Yeah, him. yeah, I was uh, I was I was um, not drunk. I was drunk, but no, it was it was a lot of fun. Did uh, you give a speech? Amazing wedding I did. I had a best man speech on, and I, I, I believe I performed well. How many it, drinks did you have before the speech? I don't know. Five-ish. Five? It was, but it wasn't like I pounded five drinks. I was just like kind of, yeah. you know, I had a beer here, I had a beer there. I had, had, we had a beer beforehand. Had a beer How, long beers after. Speech, how long did the speech? How long did the speech? I probably went around six, seven minutes, six minutes. Oh, that's a long speech. Did you have notes? Did you have a, have your phone up? Did you have a piece of paper? Yeah, so funny enough, I... I I was not going to, um, but that morning I was not feeling well. And it wasn't because I was hungover. Like my brother had a bug the day before and I think he gave it to me and things were not, things were not right in the body at that point. And I was a little, my head was really cloudy and I hadn't even drinking that much the night before, to be honest. I fully admit everybody has heard me very hungover, probably seen me very drunk, but the, um, I took it up there as like a little, and I'm glad I did because it was just like a, you know, not like I was looking at it. I was just referring back to it occasionally because, you know, I went, I did a pump fake. I didn't make fun of the kid, uh, which I very well could have and everybody was expecting. I went, I went heartfelt and, and told the, told the, the entire place and you know, what, how good of a guy he is. And I didn't want to miss some of the points that I was going to make and I could have. So that, that was the other reason I wanted to make sure I hit all of the things because no sometimes I'll do caps. it and I'll, I'll ad lib a little bit and I didn't want to miss some of these things. No, no little soft jabs at him. Nothing, nothing. Oh, there were some, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I took, I took some subtle jabs. There's no doubt. But, um, the night before, so funny enough, the night before one of his very good friends, uh, I'll give him a shout out here. He's a professional comedian. He's a, one of the most talented guys I've, I've ever met. Dan Altano. He is, um, he is a comedian, but he also, he also sings with, uh, another one of their friends. Uh, they used to have a band, Kevin Madden. They used to have a band together. Anyway, they sang a song. That was absolutely roasting my brother at the rehearsal dinner because my brother's always late. And the song was called Tim's Always Late. And it was uh, just a, a solid like three to four minutes of, of, Stan, of Dan like rapping about why my brother is late in very specific reasons, like situations and things. Like, and it was, I was rolling on the floor. It was hysterical. So, so you I, can't follow up that. I couldn't follow it funny. up. Yeah. If they, if they wanted me to do the best man speech after that, I would have been like, you can't make nope. me talk. You can't make me talk. I'm not talking. I'll do it tomorrow. I know, I, I, you know, there was no upstaging that. There, it had to be the next day. And thankfully, I had prepared for the, the opposite. Um, so it worked out. Nice. Um, what were we talking? I was going to say something judge, about judge. I think Judge is catching a 60-second home run or getting 61 before 62 or something. We were talking about Judge. That's what we we're talking about. Yeah, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember what I was saying, but. That's my brother. Yeah. He, well, he so I, I was saying he's, something. He's obviously feeling the pressure. Um, oh, I know what it was. I know what it was. Thank you. The crowd going silent. <laughs> and on TV, it sounds so quiet. And I don't, I don't know if it feels like that in the stadium because uh, they were doing definitely it at Yankee Stadium a Yankee, too. Definitely at Yankee Stadium. I mean, I've, I don't remember the last time I've heard that place as quiet as it because in no situation is a baseball crowd quiet. You know what I mean? Like, even when your guy is up, like you're still cheering. Like it's not you know, one of those situations always... where it's golf or tennis or like, or, or, or even football, football where you're football trying to get the crowd like, noise down. Yes, no, you can hear baseball's the Baseball's not like that. You go nuts no matter what. The whole Isn't place usually weird? is bonkers and it gets so quiet. So he's sitting there like, 
why is it so it's like he, you feel the pressure even more now because there's like you know just a, a spotlight on you and everybody's holding their breath because they don't know what to do or how to think or what to feel i almost want judge to like walk up and like give me an arm raise or rizzo or someone get on the top step and like pump the crowd up so the guy feels the adrenaline again and like feels the crowd because at toronto they were just definitely being like nice very polite canadians and not saying a damn thing um but, but I feel like Yankee there's, Stadium, like I want, I want some noise behind him. I bet he does too. But I feel like, in general, when I'm at a baseball game, and you know, not a regular season game because you know it's a regular season game, but a playoff game, and the Yankees are pitching, and say if the base is loaded, two outs, and they're trying to get out of the jam, I'm standing up, I'm screaming, I'm cheering, I'm making a lot of noise. If it's two outs, bases loaded, and they're hitting, and we're, you're looking for a run. I don't know that I'm screaming and cheering. I'm standing up definitely, but I'm. Uh, it's more of like a nervous energy. Where... Oh no, I'm yelling. Uh, we're we're definitely yelling because you're also trying to mess up the pitcher. There are two things that need to happen in that situation. Pitcher needs to deliver a ball that's over the plate, or you know he's trying to hit his spot. So you're trying to rattle him a little bit too. There's there's a, and that's why I don't think there's ever a lull in the crowd, especially at Yankee Stadium in a big moment. There's a, everybody's always up and and being loud. So it's very odd when you are watching this on television because it sounds really quiet on it's almost like you know covid baseball where there were this is like Wait, fake noise saying? i'm like we've learned how to pump in noise right so maybe we just give this guy a little bit of fake noise to get it get the thing going we it's talked all, about but this. I, I really do i feel like another player needs to whoever's on deck you know whatever needs to just give give noise. the crowd a little give me yeah give me I, he needs a hype man right now just to get the crowd going again it, He's still having good quiet. at bats. Like he walked four he times, uh, had deep counts. I thought on. Monday, I can't believe how patient he is right now. It's crazy. I thought on Monday he expanded the zone in one of his at bats. I think he swung at a, a couple sliders off the plate in yeah, hitters counts. But also, like he he um you know he's prone to swing at some of those anyway. Uh, he was called out on okay. a low strike as well. Uh, yeah, he's got a five five ninety one on base percentage since hitting his sixtieth home run. He's walked a shit ton, but I don't think it's like pitchers for the most part they've pitched to him, right? Like he's had pitches to hit for the most part. Um, the the Red Sox pitching I thought challenged him. Toronto, yeah, he again walked four times on Tuesday, but every single count I think was a three two count. So he was he was he was in battling counts, right? And the pitcher just ended up walking. Him. I thought after the ball on Thursday didn't leave the park in the ninth inning, um, that that uh, starting on Friday is when I think the pressure started to mount for him, and you started to notice the crowd, like you said, getting quiet for his at bats. And I thought the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games especially was like all anyone was there for was the judge at bats. Nothing else mattered. Yeah, I don't know. It's like. It's like 15 people deep in the Maris family coming here to watch that. Like, you know, yeah. it's a it's a record that has stood for a very long time. Like this is and it's the home run record. It's the home run record but in it's the American not League. The home in the run American record. League in the in the Yankees organization. And that is a very sacred thing. That is a very sacred thing. What's when the home run record Yankee? in the Seattle Mariners organization? Well, it doesn't matter. Who cares? That's the point. That's exactly the point. When you look at who the people are in the American League, it's Babe Ruth. It's it's freaking like the top list is freaking Mickey Mantle, uh, Roger uh, Babe Ruth, and Roger Roger Maris, and they're all Yankees. And Alex Rodriguez. Do you do you consider so when he hits his sixty second home run, are you going to look at Aaron Judge as the single season home run leader? Leader this year, yes, of course. 
uh, in total record. I holder. know what the record is. Sing- I don't need okay. to. I don't need That's to distinguish it. Yeah. Okay. I don't need to distinguish it. I know. I know what the deal is. I know what Aaron Judge is doing right now. Yeah. Is the, amazing. One, is probably the most oppressive thing that we've seen as far as home runs in our lifetime. No. Because it's of not. the other of the other guys that were aided. Yes. And look, ba- what Barry Bonds did. Close. What Barry Bonds did even though he was on all of the steroids in the world, was more impressive because he legitimately was being pitched around and still hit 73 home runs. There's a stat, and Logan, maybe you could find this, and I, I saw it on Twitter at some point, but the amount of pitchers that Aaron Judge has faced versus, uh, I saw it up against Barry Bonds, I think, and I saw it also up against um, okay. Maris. And, and well, Maris, it's definitely well, of in course, the Of course, it's, it's yeah. crazy. But um, even since Bonds, like there are more specialists, there are sure. more of these guys that have come in. Guys so you could absolutely the make yeah. the argument that it is the most impressive. This guy is not on the juice, as we all not on the juice. I'm going to make a declaration, and and is getting um, pitched to as particular as you can with advanced analytics, with specialists that are all throwing 100 plus miles per hour. So you could absolutely make that argument that this is the most impressive home run season. In baseball history, Logan. I have you a stat. Yes. Um, Judge has faced. So this was on the 22nd, but this was uh, right after he hit his 60th home run. And I don't think he's probably faced many more new pitchers. He's faced 244 different pitchers. Um, in And counting, obviously, the season is still going. Marius hit, had 101 different pitchers, and Babe Ruth only faced 64 different pitchers. What about Bonds? Do we know the Bonds, Bonds number? So Bonds isn't on here, but. Because uh, it's it's in the season, it's in the season that I'm looking right. at right now. So Bonds is on here. Sosa's on here a bunch. Uh, in '99, in '98, '99, and 2001, he faced uh, 215, 213, and 211. Oh, so I'm sorry, Bonds two 201. So it's on par in with what judges faced. Judge, no, judges 44. faced 40 more. Yeah, already, and he's got another mm-hmm. what six days? Okay. 40 more days. and 13 less home runs. <laughs> Right, but that's yeah. but that's forty specialists. That's not. It's also like you're, you're looking at these guys that are coming in to face. Uh, it's just different. Look, it's just it's different. This is like yeah. comparing. Yeah. But errors. also, you're also this, trying to say that like the more impressive, thirteen more home runs. Okay, two hundred less guys using freaking steroids. Okay? What about the using juice ball? Steroids. What about this the is juice baseball? This is but this is really it's interesting. The home run rates around baseball are higher now than they were in 1998, 1999, 2000, 2001. Despite the other the, the other reason why the other reason why is if you look at the mean right all these advanced analytics are usually about what the average is and how you compare to the average he's hit twenty plus home runs more than the next guy I know that's that. crazy I'm not here. shitting on his season go ahead Logan so yeah <laughs> this is this is a great stat so um, this is based on quote unquote tired pitcher so a tired pitcher would be any starting pitcher who's facing the batter for the third time or a reliever facing it for the second can you get a better title than that but okay tired pitchers 1967 uh, 26.9% of total plate appearances were against tired pitchers this year it's 13.7 yeah that's the biggest change total number of hits against tired pitchers 28.9 in 1967 15.1 why are we comparing it to 1967? I just think it's a, when you look at them and you put them next to each other, and not to say one is one is. Di- I mean, I, I have think 82, you could absolutely make, make the argument that this is the most impressive season. I would not make that argument. I think it's it's uh, up there with the most impressive offensive seasons of any right. baseball player in our lifetime. I I will remember it forever. It's, in my mind, not the single-season home run record, unfortunately. But if people decide to treat it that way, that's totally up to them. 
I just think when, when you start to do that, then you call into question, you'd have to call into question the results of games in that era. And that's never going to happen. Baseball is never no, going to happen. It is what it is. The numbers are what they are, but there's, there's nuance and context to everything and, sure. and how you choose to acknowledge those numbers and, and give respect to those numbers is where, is where the difference is. And, and, you know, that's a personal preference, however you want to look at it. But, um, when you're talking about most impressive and you're understanding all of that context and all of the things that, that are playing into a particular season, I could, I think I could make a very strong uh, case for this being the most impressive. So he's playing Wednesday night. We're recording this before Wednesday's game. So we don't know if he's going to hit home run tonight. He's DHing leading off. Um, he's got three more home games to hit potentially has to hit two more home runs to pass Maris. Um, that's some pressure. That's not easy. That's not going to be easy to do. And, you know, we thought it was going to be easy after you hit like nine home runs in five days leading into the last homestand. But it's it's not going to be easy to do if he goes in needing two in three games. No, it's not. I mean, you see how the pressure is. The the thing is, too, is like for him, uh, even Barrios was throwing him, you know, some breaking balls down in the zone that, you know, you a lot of people would swing at. They, they weren't bad breaking balls. They were. They looked good, and they had late break. And he was spitting on them. He really was. So he's had such good at bats. And with him, you know, he's a similar the way that he the way that he hits. Like, you know, he doesn't always hit for a home run. He just he's looking to make good contact, and it ball just goes out because of his tendencies. And it's like now I don't know if that's making him press a little bit in the way that he's approaching the at bats because he you know every at bat now you're getting what one maybe two decent decent uh pitches if you miss that opportunity you're either but gonna, i don't you're i don't think that's walked. changed i don't think that's changed but you add the pressure the whole, to the that season. i'm saying yeah and now it's just like the the stakes are are that much higher yeah oh yeah i do remember bonds was on the k-rod cast and he said hitting the 61st home run was the hardest of his because i uh, knew i was cheating yeah and i was ruining the record book i think it's because 61, it was the hardest because i knew it in my head 61 my is head. the number still that a lot of people remember uh yeah when we talked to andy martino a few weeks ago i legitimately didn't know if it was 72 or 73 home runs that's that the was, other thing record i think and, that's most people and, and, i didn't know and, and that's fu- and so fine but like uh unfortunately it's not going to be aaron judge's name at the top of the list that's that's like it's uh, that's just unfortunate. But in everybody's hearts and minds, they know okay. who would. And that's and honestly heart like, yeah, that's like, so. What was his name? The guy that the the poor bastard that lost the uh, perfect game, Annabelle Sanchez. Was that who it was with yeah. Detroit? Well, he that that helped. It was a perfect game, right? Yeah, it was a perfect game. Uh, uh, Galarraga. Oh, Galarraga. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's and right. it was yeah, a perfect yeah. game. Last out. Uh, yeah, we yeah. play. Yeah, for his base, he lost. But that game. that helped him because it got more attention on his perfect. I'm just game saying, than... like that was a perfect game. But it won't definitely cost him some money, probably though. For sure, it cost him some money. Yeah, probably. It was also, a damn shame. I, 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 um, I could see the well, umpire, I mean, but I cannot think of his name right now. Negotiating was it Joe West? Contract? No, it was not Joe look. West. He had a mustache, or he had like a goatee. <clears throat> Only thought... Randy Levine would use that. Not getting a perfect game in your yeah, negotiations. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about big decisions. He felt so bad too afterwards. There was like a, he apologized. Oh, yeah. There was a whole thing about. They it. did like a whole guy, ceremony on the field. Really, really well respected umpire too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to talk about the big decision that people were second guessing from Monday's game. Um, and it was to decision to pitch to Vlad in extra innings, which ended up not working out for the Yankees. Uh, we're going to talk about this decision with our brand new sponsor, Athletic Greens. I'm very excited to talk to you guys about this. Drinking AG1 every morning is a great decision. We're going to find out if pitching to Vlad was the right decision to make, but definitely can recommend AG1 as uh, what you need to do to start every single morning. It's packed with multivitamins, minerals, nutrients, and all they all work together to make you feel your healthiest self. Some of the many be- benefits of Athletic Greens includes it supports mental clarity and alertness. That's why it's recommended to drink this first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. I took the travel packs with me on my West Coast trip. Wasn't sleeping well on the West Coast, jet lagged. I was up at like four or five in the morning. Popped one of those in a water bottle every single morning, drank it. I just felt better. Maybe you that's what you needed to get rid of that uh that the cloudiness you were the cloudiness you were feeling on on the morning of the way. I did. One I mean the, you know, I got back into action. Even getting back into the real world is uh is a, is a is a tall task. One scoop, get back to my everyday routine and uh, and feeling sharp. So we're also going to need it for October. Hopefully the Yankees make a deep playoff run, which also means late night podcasting. So we're going to need it for those early mornings. Athletic Greens promotes gut health with pre and probiotics. It's maybe not something you've thought about. If you've experienced stomach pain, maybe thinking about your gut health is is what's actually causing this. So this is something I actually discovered years ago, started taking a, a probiotic and it, it helped a lot. Uh, it can give you better sleep quality and recovery and it boosts your energy. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is trusted by athletes and health experts around the world. It even tastes good. I I thought it was going to have like an earthy kind of uh, gross taste, and and it just doesn't. You can mix it with something sweeter if you want, but I just mixed it with water, and I actually like the taste of it. Each serving costs less than $3, which when you think about it is probably less than you're spending on a cup of coffee or an energy drink. So not that you're going to replace this entirely with a cup of coffee or anything like that, but it's not that expensive. And you know that $3 is well spent because it's supporting your health. Go to athleticgreens.com slash pinstripes for a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. Again, athleticgreens.com slash pinstripes. Um, thank you to Athletic Greens for supporting us. Um, would really appreciate it if all you guys go check this out. Cannot recommend it enough. This uh, this second guessing of not walking Vlad, which I actually agreed with Boone when he said it's kind of pick your poison. When you look at the numbers in this situation with Kirk on deck, it kind of was the the splits for Kirk and Vlad are essentially the same against right handed pitchers. Uh, Kirk is a 296 hitter with an 818 OPS. Vlad is a 283 hitter with an 840 OPS. 
basically a single wins you the game anyway, so it doesn't matter if you hit a double or, or, or a home run. I, I didn't hate the decision to let Clark Schmidt attack Vlad in that situation. Obviously, it didn't work out, so that's where the second guess comes in. Yeah, it's an easy Monday morning quarterback, although I will say this. I don't think it was a – I mean, if it were me, I'm, I'm walking Vlad, no doubt about it. And I, you know, I don't even care what the split say. I just know who the players are, and I know that um, one of them is Vlad Guerrero Jr. and the other one is not. So I'm I'm taking that I'm taking my chances with a guy that's uh, you know not the not the superstar, not the the pedigree guy that was going to be a baseball player his entire life, and and just and take my chances there. It didn't work out, but I will say this: it almost did work out because the Yankees winning the Amer- clinching the American League East, shoving the words back into his mouth from. The night before, the night he walked it off, saying, "You know, my house, my house. This is my house." Well, the Yankees um, clinching and celebrating, popping bottles, popping champagne, and and having a uh, celebration in Vlad's house was uh, was was the best um, you know cold hard takes you, you could possibly find. It's like you know, or cold exposed, cold takes exposed. There you go. Now you're uh, not, now not you're now that. you're looking at it. But it's like if you think about oh, it, like the ro- no, the roller coaster of Vlad over the over those two games, right? Like he gets the walk off, he's celebrating on the field, which fine, that's what he should do. It's his home park, and he had a walk off. Um, but then, like you know, not running out of the box on something he thought was going to be a home run, and then getting thrown out at second base, like the fact that that happened like three different times this this series so far yeah. by the Blue Jays. Tayasca Hernandez did it too with Severino on the mound, and Bichette gets um, kind of a you know the cheap tag play the sneaky tag play by ikf but okay like it worked so it's like the blue jays just playing so sloppily like in that inning specifically making two outs at second base vlad being one of them i think his manager called him out after the game for for unaware being unaware it's just like yeah okay fine you do you vlad you just called that play cheap uh the cheap play from ikf so let me it it was not cheap it was not cheap this is what you're taught from from very, very young age. What is cheap is if it's not caught by the umpire and then the replay it catches it. The other, the, the, the dickhead in the, in the other, in the other, uh, dugout is like, oh no, they, he did like a fraction of an, or a fraction yeah, of that's a what I hate. Came off. That's, that's why these guys are holding tags on now because they, but they know. saw it in real time. They saw it in real time. Like, I know don't that. take your, don't take your body off the base. Like, so it felt it was to me, it was a totally, you know, Legit call, legit. Everything was legit about it. It was a, it was a, a complete mistake on, for the on Yeah, it's if they, if they, if that is not called, and but then it's, it's, um, it's reviewed or it's challenged by the other guy, and then they reverse it. That's where I have a problem with it because of the intention of the of the instant replay. But I think that's a reason why you get these delayed holding the tag on the runner because they know we can replay this, and there he might have come off the bag for a right. split second. You Which do it anyway, though. Not you're, you're, you're taught like to do it anyway. It's not, I know you're taught to do it anyway, but it's very rarely called. It was called in this sure. instance. And normally, you, you don't see a guy hold it on for that long. Um, but I think the instant replay has caused it to be more. And fine, like, this is the rules we're playing with. So guys are going to try and get every out they can. I mean, in reality, Tyon's lucky in that situation. Because yeah. he gave up that double, and then he should have given up another, another double to Vlad. But he was freaking loafing around the bases and got thrown out. Hosed so by, by our guy and and Tyone ended up pitching deep into the game. His pitch count was low. Yeah, his pitch count was low because they ran into two outs in that key inning. 
So I think Boone, after the game I was listening, he was like, yeah, well, we didn't really have much of a bullpen tonight. Like, he was going to have to go deep anyway. Well, thanks, Blue Jays, for allowing this to happen. Yeah, it's always nice when the other team uh, cooperates with your game plan and does all the things you need to do so that you can get, uh, you know, refreshed and reloaded. So I thought Tyone did pitch well outside the home run. You know, he was, like you said, there was a little bit of luck, but, you know, that's fine. You could have some bad luck, too. So I think uh, the good comes with the bad. But I thought he pitched well, and, and you know he's seemingly you know he's becoming a a very solid option. It's when you look at the numbers splits, they're they're a little different, but they're not different enough between Tyon and, and Garrett Cole. They're pretty yeah. damn similar, man. They're they're way too close together. They're really way too close. Yeah, and obviously you feel differently with each on the mound, but of course. But well, I, I asked know. this question to the guys on on Monday's episode. What is your confidence level of Garrett Cole entering a playoff game? One to ten. Dude, right now, I'm just waiting for the beginning to happen. So I'm like a six. Six That's or a I seven. Said. I said a six. Um, yeah, seven's like giving him the benefit of the doubt and hoping that he'll be the thing and not give up that big one. But uh, dude, he's been doing it like every single freaking outing, it seems like, in the past month and a half. Look, yep. I mean, so well, I have a minutes. question though. So tonight he's pitching. Obviously, you guys saw him party last night. Does he get graded on tonight's start at all? Um, party. He was. He was. Did you bobbing. see him? He was. He was bobbing he was his bobbing. head. <laughs> he fine. was bobbing his head. He he looked. He, you know, they he posted the more... team picture. He looked. That's he not looks... Andre. That's no Andre. So it's not. It's going to give you a little bit of a cleaner hang up. Uh, you know, I hope. In the morning. So it looked like he looked more high than drunk. So uh, I'm hoping that he just popped like a little weed gummy instead of drank champagne because champagne hangovers are no joke. You know what? I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he gets shelled tonight by the Blue Jays or if he struck out 18 after the way he partied last night because so, I don't know what to expect. Valid point. I expect that... him to, to strike out 12 and give up a three-run home run in the sixth <laughs> inning. <laughs> so valid point that tonight's grade will uh, be, I guess, on a curve with the understanding that they did just clinch. However, well, if he's good, then it's, he's good. If he's bad, then it doesn't matter. Uh, actually opposite. If he's good, then it doesn't matter because that's what he should be. And if he's bad, this is more ammo for me to say, see, he's bad. So you're grading him on a down curve. Yes. Oh, I grade everyone on a down curve. It doesn't seem Welcome fair. to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Welcome oh, to man. the Andrew side of the Bronx <laughs> Pinstripe Show. Yeah. No, okay. No, he, obviously, but, 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 but he's deserved yeah. that. He's deserved that because he is... Uh, he's a guy that just hasn't lived up to expectations. Not even close, I yeah. think, in, in my if opinion. He, it's uh, yeah, he's given us he's given us this fear. Right. We didn't make this up. Look, We're watching if, him pitch, and he's done it himself. He's the one who's going out there and like, yeah, oh man, he's 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 pulling an A rod. The numbers all look great at the end of the year. ERA is a little high. Numbers look great. Strikeouts are there. You look at strikeouts per the, you know the amount of innings, um, strikeouts to walk. Like all those numbers are going to look. The splits are going to look good. It's all going to look good. But you know what? I know damn well that that guy is giving up a three run home run in the sixth, fifth, or sixth inning. Almost every, almost every outing uh, since since July, it feels like that's what it feels like to me. So yeah, I'm not. He hasn't finished. That's the biggest thing with him. He needs to finish, finish a start, get into the dugout with with a clean inning, get into the dugout with a with a, a good lead, not having your team bail you out again. Well, the thing that bugged me about the game against the Red Sox, not to rehash this because we talked, and that's about just it, not going to happen in the playoffs. It's he not, thought he finished right. He thought he was walking off the mound with a called strike three, and it didn't happen. And instead of just making a good pitch on the next pitch, he grooves him a fastball, and that's that's like the most frustrating thing. And then he's like so blaming he didn't the finish Then no, the I know dictates if you do or you do not, unless the the man swings with the bat, which he didn't. Therefore, not finished. I said he thought he finished. 
Well, no, that's a he did not finish. So, so she th- said this. This oh boy, this uh, this dovetails into the conversation I want to have about Luis Severino, who pitched four innings, two runs, four strikeouts. He did walk three on Monday. He nearly gave up a three-run bomb to Teoscar Hernandez. It ended up being a two-run double off the wall. I thought, again, his stuff looked good. He threw 76 pitches. That was their plan. He's going to have at least one more start come this weekend at home against Baltimore. I don't think they'll do this, but they could start him on the last day of the season if they wanted to, but it would be on four days rest, so I I really don't think that's going to happen. So say he gets in his next start to, what, 90 pitches? Is four to four and a half innings, 90 pitches, two runs, good enough for a playoff start? I'm not sure what you're asking. Like You're talking about the – because if he's – if his ceiling is lower because of the pitch count thing, then you're you're almost expecting. I mean, look, Severino hasn't been known to go deep into playoff games. To be very honest, uh, it's a matter if. It, so yeah, I guess it would be thinking back at the at his history. That would probably be a solid start for him. But no, no my, I, my, I, my I, question, I want him throwing. You just got to have someone be, ready to go. He's gotta going have, to be starting a playoff game. That's not my right question. I know he's going to be starting a playoff game. Are we but on that day, Domingo Herman or Clark Schmidt or someone's yeah, ready. So, yeah. so really what we're doing here is you're hoping Garrett Cole finishes his start. Then you're going Nestor Cortez. Then you're going Luis Severino piggybacked by Herman or Clark Schmidt or somebody. And then you're pitching Jameson Tyon in the fourth game. Or as we discussed on the last episode, maybe you're coming back with Garrett Cole in the fourth game because that's actually full rest for him. But then you're maybe leaning on Nestor Cortez short rest or Jameson Tyone in a game five. Is there is there a circumstance where they're leaning Tyone over Severino because of the ability um, if he's not fully stretched out and he's got the uh, you know Tyone's got the ability to go deeper and he's been pitching well. I'd say that that's not really off the table. I don't rule it out. Yeah, and then um, you would you would have Severino and Schmidt or Herman. And again, a lot of this depends on how deep the other pitchers go, because if you're before a series starts, if you're penciling in our game four starter is Severino and a piggyback, well, then what happens if you have to use that piggyback in game three because it's extra innings or because your starter in game three gets shelled and has to come out in the second inning, right? Like, so shit can change. And when it's a piggyback start deeper into the series, the chances that you're basically pitching with a man down in the bullpen the entire series or else because you have to prepare for that piggyback start late in the series. So it's actually, if you think about that too, um, again, if we're making arguments for one or the other, you could certainly make the argument that Tyone, and Tyone Severino, like numbers wise, pretty, pretty like confidence wise, I'd say they're, 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 they're both uh, very close, but Tyone, what he does is he, you know, that he could go deeper. He's giving you more options. Then you have Severino. That that gives you three guys potentially with Schmidt, um, Herman, Severino to come in for significant, significant innings, significant at bats. Whereas you know Tyone is the starter, you don't have to prepare for that third guy. Maybe I mean, Frankie granted, Moses you always too. want to have that guy ready just in case, but but you get you have then you have a third guy um, available for for a deeper run if possible if if needed, and just Maybe. a weapon. I'm like Severino would becomes just a, a weapon out of the pen. 
Maybe Montes too as a piggyback guy because they're saying he's not going to start throwing again until September 30th and he'll be back for like 30 to 40 pitches for the playoffs. Yeah, I don't even know what the hell that is. So um, what about this? Would you say it may be a safer plan to do the piggyback start with Severino in game two because you get an automatic off day before and after game two? So you're going into that game with a more rested bullpen and you're coming out of that game with a more rested bullpen. Interesting theory. Interesting. You, uh, delay Nestor. you de- delay Nestor to three and then you can come back with Cole on full rest game four or you can go tie on game four. Everyone's penciled Nestor into game two, which fine. He's earned that, right? Like Nestor has earned the game yes. two start. But do circumstances change that based on off days and, and other things? Yeah, I think also looking at the matchups, looking at, um, you know, do you want Severino pitching on the road? Do you want Severino pitching at home? That's another, uh, you know, thing that you have to think about too. Like, look at the splits compared to wherever they're playing. Where's the um, where's the matchup? Where's the matchup in your favor? Does does Nestor have the better uh, home and away splits, or does Severino have? They've done that in the past, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Severino, the situation that you just laid out right there, I could see Severino being there, but. He's also had his troubles at Yankee Stadium in the playoffs. He's had his troubles everywhere in the playoffs. Yes, but also at Yankee Stadium. Especially at Yankee Stadium. Starting Especially the game what? on time, uh, wild card scenarios. The, yeah. It's a whole yeah, big David thing. Robinson being Iron was, Man. Was um, DJ LeMahieu was not activated for, for the game, right? LeMahieu was not activated, and I've been sitting here trying to search for an update on him, and there is not one. But they I was said just doing the this same. weekend, like yeah, they were I, talking about it last today or come back Friday. I mean, I I don't know what it doesn't sound like. If you listen and you read the tea leaves, it doesn't sound like they have much confidence of anything other than like let's give it a shot and see how yeah. it feels. Which is I think fun. you activate him. Clinched, you might as well. Yep, you activate him over the weekend. You try and get him a game on say Saturday, and then a game on Monday, and then maybe a game on Tuesday. And if he feels good after that, then you ride it. And if he's it you know almost doesn't matter how he looks it more just matters how he feels after playing those games um but he's not starting in a playoff game well i mean that you could you could also look at the other side of that as you know because they got the bye this is an opportunity to give him an even more extended rest and does dj lemayhu need those games because he's going to sit again you know for a week or whatever it is for the bye point. why not just rest him the entire time and get that thing feeling as good as it possibly can you know, get some get some of those uh, those wet swings in uh, before before they. Yeah, go have into they the talked air. about their plan playing sim games and stuff? Because I know I think the Dodgers talked about playing sim games. They've got like sim games scheduled and stuff. They're going to be calling up like minor leaguers to to like play. Uh, it's like when you know in football you got to like simulate the other team. It's like uh, yeah, I haven't look, heard anything about it. Logan's right. asking if that if that week off makes us nervous. Um, Shit, yeah, the, it makes us nervous. Baseball's base- not to, not meant to be played with a week off. Yeah, that I I don't. Yeah, I don't think it gives an advantage um, to to. I mean, but we've seen it work in the past where you just get healthy, and I think in this case for a guy like DJ, they do. This gives them an opportunity, like this clinching, you, you know, ahead of time, two series ahead of. Uh, the end of the season, you know what's happening. You know where you're playing next, when you're playing next. So the, it, it it gives you the ability to get that extra rest, and and really plan for these things. So that's why I, I after the clinching, like if they changed course a little bit and didn't activate him, would not surprise me. And in fact, like 
I think that's probably the move. The the division series is going to start um, two weeks from yesterday. Exactly. So they're not going to play a meaningful game for two full weeks. I mean, they're not going to, you know, they're going to treat these next I mean, this games like spring Judge training. Show. This is the Aaron Judge show. Until yeah. it hits and it's the Aaron Judge home. show. I mean, it's kind of been, but it's it really is now. And then they're going to have a week of no games. I mean, it, you know, the advantage clearly is Seattle's going to, Seattle, I'm just assuming it's Seattle. Um, the the wildcard winner is going to use their pitchers and they're going to be coming yes. in strapped there with less pitching. And that's the advantage. But they're going to play like, I mean, how many times in like football, like that team with the bye comes out flat in the first quarter. I mean, you see it every year in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and there's and the Dodgers also, have a pretty seen... long, uh, long uh, uh, layoff last year and they came back with no issues and hit. I, I don't know. Because we've, I think we've seen both things. We've seen team. Here's the thing. The if the Yankees come out games. flat, if the Yankees come out flat it in the ALDS, a it's a it's a thing to talk about, right? Like right. it's o- it's only a thing to point to if the results aren't what we want. Um, what do you think the ideal? That's, length- so, rid- that's so ridiculous. What do you think? But like the way you just, just said, a- it was it's just so ridiculous. But it's also it's true. true. It's yeah. so true. Like, what's the ideal length of of off time before for a baseball team? I'd say it's like three days, right? The All Star break. Which is three days, sometimes yeah, it's four. not. It's two. It was. It was. It was one day of <laughs> after that. It was so. It was three this year. It's usually four. Yeah. If you ask the guys the though, at this at this point of the season, I bet they all say they want the time. Well, sure. Yeah, because they want to, everybody's nicked up, and like at this point, there's an advantage for. There's also better. you start to like, you know, you start to get anxious. Like it's like okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. I feel like at a certain point you're just like like I just need to play the game can't think about the game anymore he's got to play the game yeah but you can also get into a rhythm for your um you know so a, an off day routine because you know you're playing at home you know you'll be at the same place you can be sleeping in the same place there's a lot of advantages for that too especially with the team uh, that has has some um some guys banged up going in and everybody has guys that are banged up obviously but the yankees have some significant guys that are banged up uh, also, Wandy is eligible to come off of the IL on October 4th, which is the second to last day of the season. So that's the doubleheader day. Probably get him an inning in one of those doubleheader days um, if he does get activated on October 4th. Um, last thing I want to talk about is IKF's defense. Uh, it's certainly a topic we've spent a lot of time on this season. Uh, but the the non-error play that he booted on Monday night's game with Seve on the mound um, was uh again got people heated i know logan <laughs> logan's certainly done logan hates IKF. ikf not hates true him. i don't hate i don't hate pl- i don't hate players on on my own team yeah, except you for can IKF. Hate, you can hate yeah, players well. you can hate players yeah. on your own team i um, pretend not to so Statcast, just to re- so we're basically a full season of stuff right so let's talk about what the advanced metrics say and also what our eyes tell us Statcast outs above average he's minus three at shortstop and then that goes even deeper He's minus one on coming in on balls. He's plus two on balls to his right, which is towards third base. He's plus four going to his left, which is towards first base or towards second base. And then he's plus one going back on balls. So my mind, I see minus three overall, but then plus on every direction except coming in. So does that mean he's also minus? on balls just hit right at him because that's what also my eyes tell me i mean i think a ball hit right at him is a ball that you come in on okay you know what i mean so one of the things that that i think um and if do we have what his 
did he get better in the second half? My eyes are saying that he did. If the second half numbers, and that, that's kind of what I was thinking was going to happen because of the, um, you know, he hasn't played a ton of games at shortstop. So when you're at third base, you're relying very, very heavily on your instincts, right? Your, your reaction at that point, not instincts, reaction, your reaction. So the left of the right, left and right stuff makes sense. When he doesn't have a lot of time to think and he's going after a ball and his athleticism and instincts take over, he makes a play. It's like, you know, too much time, too much, uh, you know, he, he almost, uh, he almost, not, I'm not going to say he dogs it because I don't think that guy dogs anything, but he, he gets a little complacent in the routine of fielding a ball sometimes. And that's when he bounces one or, you know, just boots it. That they've, I feel like all the errors have been just like really mindless, dumb things, but he makes the plays and, and his range seemingly is good. And that, that's what's, uh, that was one of the, is that, is that fair to say that that was one of the, the reasons why Urshela was knocked as a third baseman as well? Cause you always remember him making those, those like fantastic plays, his range. but he would boot a ball and maybe it's, no, it was his ball. range. His range was, he bad. would also boot the, uh, you know, a regular ball here and there. Yeah. But the, again, like the errors. So, um, advanced defensive metrics and errors don't always go hand in hand because when Matt Chapman was leading the world in defensive metrics at third base, he was also leading the league in errors or he had like, remember the comparison was like, yeah, Miguel Andujar, 16 errors, Matt Chapman, 20 errors. It's like, okay, but Matt Chapman gets to four times as many balls as Miguel Andujar. So he's got more opportunities. Um, that shout must, out to Miguel Induard, uh, hitting Mickey, you know Mickey doubles. Finally with, with Pitts, finally with yeah. Pittsburgh, the trade that never was almost got uh, thrown out a second. Cause he definitely was, uh, <laughs> thought it was out of the at, uh, home run from, from the box. But. So uh, this must mean that any ball that is coming in on, which must also be hit right at him. He's, he's bad. And there's obviously more opportunities for that. Um, but it's only a minus one, so it's slightly below. I, I Hold guess on. Like, Hold on. No, I'm sorry. That's that's wrong. I forgot a zero. It's minus 10 on balls back. Minus 10. 10, which is 38 out of 38. Balls in. Yes. Balls minus in. Minus 10. Minus 10, which is my mistake. I'm sorry. Uh, much different. 38th out of 38th in qualified short stops. And that's now, considered a ball that, that he's charging or a ball right at him or he's not moving I, either I, way? I assume so. I'm trying to find the definition of in on baseball savant. Now, I, I gotta this be- is really... Hold on real quick. I got to believe that every single every single ground ball, whether he's if he's not coming in, he's either moving left or right. Right. And they probably just deem so, that as left or right. So in so this probably is important, does mean though. in. So, right. So to, to his left, which immediately I said, well, he... It's a third baseman. He's a gold glove third baseman. He has four outs above average. Second in all of in all of baseball for qualified short stops. To his right, he has a two outs above average, thirteenth in all of baseball, which means he's significantly better going to his left as opposed to going to his right. But it's okay. also, I mean, it's also but, a different ball hit. I mean, the ball up the middle, which is his, would be his left to shortstop, is significantly different than a ball smoked into the um you know into the onto the third base side pulled on that side it's just it's a different it's a different look it's a shorter this it's um, a shorter distance this coming in thing is is kind of interesting because it must also include balls hit right at him because it must I, I think what it's probably judging is where is he positioned and then where is his primary first step that's what i what i or where did he field it because you're right scott like any time you move, you you might also move in slightly. So does in to the left count as to the left, or does it count as in? Yeah, I mean that's my thing. Is like 
Well, and also every ball that's hit, I mean, unless you're just absolutely perfectly, you're either moving left or right. You're moving of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. You don't always have to move in, though. I mean, mean, if it's a hard hit ball. No, not always. You're not charging a hard hit ball. So soft hit grounders, he's bad on. That's what I think. When I think of balls in, that's what I'm thinking of. And I, yeah, he struggled on some of those. Definitely. Uh, Fangraphs, he ranks 18th among qualified shortstops for their defensive metric. UZR, 14th. DRS, 8th. Um, And then, obviously, we talked about outs above average, specifically on balls coming in bad. But on the rest of it, okay to good. And then minus three overall. Um, So, second half, anything on that that second half? Um, I could get you the... Fan graphs uh, for the second half, I think. Listen, I know Logan, shorter defensive. Logan's uh, big thing so is that he wants Peraza to just be at shortstop, but right? Like, no, 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 no. Yes, obviously, but that's He's just like, wait a minute, not, not on air, not on air, yeah, not on air. No, well, because I think it's it's more just the routine plays, which is why that. But is if it's not, not because... IKF at shortstop, who's playing shortstop? Oh, it it should it well no, how about Cabrera? Okay. So it's too useful it's in the outfield, right? Game now. one, well, I mean, game yeah, one right now, of but, the ALDS. You know. Game one of the ALDS. It's one thousand percent, guys. There's not even a decision. I know it's not a decision. I'm asking Logan. You are. You have incepted Aaron Boone's mind. Okay. That's in, the plot of Inception Two is Logan trying to infiltrate Aaron Boone's mind to uh, make the playoff lineup. Who's starting at shortstop? I mean, obviously, I would like to say Peraza, but. I would have not like I would have been playing for the past month where it wouldn't be like this rookie has just never played practically yeah. before and he's starting a shortstop. Okay. They didn't do that. So I guess probably I would just keep going with what they were doing because okay. that's Praza ain't keeping thing. that Praza ain't uh, keeping that tag on uh, Bichette, just saying. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so it's gonna be IKF. I think we all just have to hold our breath in the playoffs that he doesn't make a catastrophic error. Oh my god. Look, right? I am not expecting that at all. No, I, I don't. I, I know that people get frustrated with him, but he does not give me that feeling where I'm like, oh, no, ball hits a short. He doesn't give me that. Feeling he doesn't either. give me that feeling at all. Like even a little bit. He'd really. He, in fact, when there's a big moment, like I feel like that guy's just so ready to go uh, that, you know, maybe he's the other way. Like A-Rod hits big home runs in the, you know, fourth inning when matter or, or in the ninth inning in a blowout game. IKF makes his errors on get on. I have a fun question to end the program. What position on the Yankees field when a ball is hit there? Do you have most confidence the play is going to be made infield and outfield combined? I mean, wherever, wherever Aaron judge is playing is, but I I could say say that too. (laughs) I could say, I could say that too, but um, Center field right now with Bader, right field with Judge. Okay, Dude, you, could, you said you, could you say said with, first base. You could say third base with Donaldson. You okay. got a vacuum. Fine. And Rizzo at first. Not, neither of us said shortstop. What position That's is fine. the least most confident? It's got to be second base or shortstop. Those are the only two acceptable. I don't hold left my breath field. when. Well, I don't hold my ba- my breath when the ball's hit the glaive. Okay, so left field is interesting because if it is Aaron Hicks and even Cabrera, who I love Cabrera, but he's not a left fielder. He's a middle infielder who was turned into a right fielder and then turned into a left fielder. So left field might be the actual answer, but it's not yeah. what first came to mind. That's what came to mind for me. 
Okay. I would have I would have said left field or second base. I would not have said shortstop. Now, what if Benintendi's playing left field, a healthy Benintendi in the playoffs? I would have said second base. Okay. And but but I got to be honest, like I feel pretty good everywhere. That's you're right. Like you're no, forcing me defense, to say that. The defense you're forcing me to say this. I want to yes, be very I'm clear. I think you. that I I am I am confident with the the defense that the Yankees put out there on a nightly basis. And think about how different that is from the past two seasons. Oh, for sure. I mean, that was one of the that was one of the big reasons they made the moves that they made. Last season, you were like that was why they gave up Jordan Montgomery so that they could solidify that center field, and you don't have to put Aaron Judge in center field, and you have a guy that can go out there and confidently, to a very high level, roam center field and and create outs for pitchers. That that's a pitcher's best friend is the defense. So if you're if you have the if the pitcher has the ability and the confidence to go out there and pitch to contact. You know, with the understanding, you're obviously not trying to let that guy give up a home run, but you're pitching to contact because you know the defense is behind you. That's such a strong feeling. It's such a that's such a boost of confidence for the pitching staff, and I think that plays a lot. That goes a long way. Yes. All right. It's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Um, we'll be back at you again on Monday, hopefully talking about Aaron Judge breaking Roger Maris's record again. Guys, go to athleticgreens.com/pinstripes to check out AG1. Thank you to Athletic Green for supporting the show. We'll talk to you in a few days. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.